Good morning, Riverside Church, Pastor Dale. Welcome to the first ever Riverside Online broadcast. We're filming today, Dustin and I, from the studios of Riverside Church, as you recognize behind us. If this is your first time getting to know us, as I said, I'm Pastor Dale. We're a church in the Upper West Side of Atlanta. And here's, here's where our heartbeat is. Our heartbeat is this vision statement. We, we long to see revival in the Upper West Side of Atlanta. For us, revival is more than a spiritual experience. It's a whole person experience. We, we want to see people's lives transformed from the inward all the way out to the outward. We want to see relations healed. We want to see communities build together through social lift. We'd love to have you be a part of what we're doing. Feel free to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, all those normal places. And hopefully soon, come check us out in person. If you are new to us or those who have been with us for some time, you know that we've been in the book of Romans. And I've just been really inspired by this this week. I believe this is a word for us. Have you ever had those moments in life where you're reading something in your devotional life or God's showing you something and, and, and you'll hear a pastor preach about it? You'll, you'll hear it in a song. You might read it in a journal. You might see it in a post. And it's like, okay, God, I get it. This is surround sound. I get it. I kind of feel that way about this today. I feel like God's been speaking to this and to us in surround. Not only that, it's, it's the exact word for us in this season as Americans. Let me pray for you before we get too, too far into this. Lord God, thank you for the opportunity to, to bring your word this morning. God, I pray that you would uh, use me as your humble vessel to bring not my eloquence or intelligence, but God, bring your word directly from your lips to our hearts that we might all forever be changed. In Christ's name, amen, amen, amen. So a couple of years ago, my dad moved to Panama City. I think he moved in September uh, two years ago, and uh, right before the Hurricane Michael. Now, my dad had never lived in Florida, had only been a visitor to Florida, had always wanted to live in Florida, and so he finally made the big move. But he had no idea what it meant to, to have hurricane anything. And so I remember talking to him and him telling me, yeah, so um, we're not going to leave yet. We're going to kind of hang in there and see how it goes. And, and so I kept checking in and checking in. And, and later on, he told me the story because, you see, for some time he went dark. He went silent. I, I couldn't, couldn't hear from him. And so we were talking on the phone. He was filling me in. He said, well, what happened was uh, we heard on the news that, that it wasn't going to be that bad. It's okay. And, and so I took a little nap. And, and during his nap is when they called for the evacuation. And so he woke up and they found out that it was too late. The roads were closed. They had to huddle in and they had to tough it out, right? And so my dad was telling me this, and, and it was just kind of reminding me of sometimes uh, where I feel like we are with our society and what's going on with us today is, is there's, a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, personalities, a lot of leadership, and a lot of people, people trying to push out information different ways. Some, as you know, are kind of fear-mongering and, and getting us all worked up. And, and others of us, and, and I've seen this in the religious community especially, uh, they just sort of push only the positive, only the good. And, you know, here's the thing about Scripture. This is what I love about the Bible. This is what I love about Christianity. Christianity is not a fairy tale. Christianity is the real deal. Like, right, Christianity says that you, you turn your life to God. He's going to guide you. He's going to protect you. Yes and amen. But make no mistake. You live in a real world, a real broken world, and suffering is around you. Here's Paul's words in Romans chapter 8. He says this in verse 10. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. And so what oftentimes happens when you read that little passage, 
we jump ahead to the, to the glory that's revealed. But slow down. Notice this. There's present suffering. Notice further on into Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. We love this part. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Yes and amen. But check this out. Shall tribulations, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or the sword? For your sake we are being killed all the day long, re-regarded as sheep being led to the slaughter. And so here's one of the first things I want to point out to you. As Christians, again, we don't live a fairy tale existence. We live a very real, present-minded existence. You know, I love that we Americans are very future-oriented. I love that we're optimistic. I don't know there's any more person more optimistic than me. Like, I, I love thinking about the future. I love risk-taking. I always think that the next big thing is going to happen, and life is going to be okay. But we've got to measure that future-oriented optimism with reality. With reality. And so Paul is reminding us, yes, there, there is an eternity. There's a future and because of that future orientation, we are going to be okay. Yeah, I love that. Yes. But make no mistake, the path to get there might be full of suffering. The path to get there might involve famine or darkness or illness or struggling or, or in this case, possibly disease and maybe even death. And we don't, we don't look forward to that. We're not, we're not sadists. We're not looking forward to pain. But we're also not ignoring reality. I say to you again, I believe that for us as Christians, not any other religion, but as Christians, we are mindful of an optimistic reality, an optimistic reality. So my dad began to share as we were on the phone after a few days of silence, fell asleep, missed the window, had to tough it out, had to hunker down, as they say, Georgia Bulldogs. <coughs> Sorry, live cast. He had to hunker down and tough it out. He began to tell me how, how it was. He could hear the winds come. He said at one point he could hear the, the wind pulling at the roof so hard he could hear the twisting and the torquing and the screeching of the nails. He was scared. He was very scared. I could hear it in his voice. It was a really upsetting experience. At one point, they even gathered in the neighbors across the street and brought them their house because their house wasn't going to make it. It was a bad time. And so you know what it reminded me of? You know what I, what I heard in that story of my dad, you know, strong dad? He was frail. Humanity is frail. This passage in Paul's work here, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected to it. This is a story. This is a reminder that creation is frail, that you and I are frail. Now, I don't like that. I can remember different points of my life, even as a young man, feeling strong and powerful and able to conquer the world. I've had, personally, I've had little reminders. At 16 years old, I totaled my car. I ran 45 miles an hour into a telephone pole. It was scary. For a moment there, I was out of control, and I felt lost, and I felt frail. Thank God he protected me and kept me in that occasion, but it's just a reminder that there, none of us, is too big or too strong. That life has a way of reminding us that we are just frail human beings. It reminds me, as a, a young man in my 20s, I uh, fell off a ladder and shattered my right heel. It bedridden for three months and on crutches for even longer. It was just little reminders throughout life that you miss, you miss some key bullets, right? And, and God preserves you and keeps you. 
But we are frail. We are frail. The frailty of man. You know, in those frail moments, and even for my dad, in that hurricane that night, asking, God, protect us. God, deliver us. One of the things about our frailty is not just our physical strength, our physical health. Sometimes it's our mind and our emotions. Sometimes they're frail. I've, I shared earlier in this week in a video that, that even myself sometimes feels overwhelmed with anxiety and, and emotions as we navigate the coming days. That's a kind of frailty, isn't it? And I don't know about you, but sometimes in those moments I ask this question, God, are you there? Where, where are you? Who are you, God? What, what kind of God are you in the midst of this? You know, these are just sort of normal human questions, and oftentimes they happen in times of frailty. And here's what I love about Romans chapter 8. It tells us a little bit about who God is. In verse 30, I'm sorry, verse 26, it says this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And if you go a little bit further on, we see this. If God is for us, who can be against us? And you look at Jesus Christ as part of the Godhead. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Here's what I notice as we read Romans. It's not just a book about what we're to do. It's a book that reminds us, a letter reminds us who God is. And this is the kind of God He is. The kind of God that His Spirit empowers you. Yeah, that's right. When you're feeling frail, you're feeling weak, you're feeling overwhelmed, the Spirit of God can empower you. Yes and amen. But don't miss the part. The Spirit does it. The Spirit does it. He's with you. He's in the midst of you. He's indwelling you. He's giving you that power to get through it. You may feel overwhelmed in a moment, but hang tight. Be patient because hope is coming and He will empower you to overcome. Another thing I notice about this. Have you ever been in a place of hurt or pain, maybe frailty, where you just run out of prayers to pray? Oh, gosh, I've been there. I've, I've been at funerals where you, you might hear a loved one say, I'm just out of tears. I, I can relate to that in regards to prayer, right? Sometimes I find myself praying, you know, God help, God deliver, God be there. And then inside, I'm, I'm kind of peeking out with one eye like, I don't know what else to say. I, I really don't know. And maybe for you and for me, sometimes I'm not praying for someone else, but just for my own life. God, I just don't know. I don't even know what to pray anymore. And here's what I love about that feeling is that this is what the Bible says about the kind of God that is the Christian God, the God that you and I serve, the kind of God that the Spirit intercedes for you. He prays for you. He says he prays in, in, in beyond words and deep groanings. I just love that. And I love that. that if that's not enough for you, so does Jesus. I love, I love the idea that God is present. That's one of my favorite ideas in all of Scripture. But I'm really loving this. That not only is God present, He's presently praying for you. Gosh, I just, I love that. Uh, it, 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 just, it is something for my soul to think that when I'm out of prayers to pray, and I have tears to cry, that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are praying for me. And here's how they pray. According to the will of God. You see, that's a little clause. It's a reminder that God is in control, and that He will deliver us. Yes, things may be tough. That's reality. But the optimism is in the hope of God. 
And that hope is eternal. I love that. I love that. I love that. So here's what we're saying. We're saying that as Christians, we live with an optimistic reality. We're saying as Christians, we recognize our frailty as humans and we're emboldened, we're empowered, not because of our strength or our intellectual powers or our emotional capability, but we're empowered by the Spirit of God, the kind of God that is present in such a time as this. The kind of God that in this present moment is presently praying for you, the will of God. Man, that's good stuff right there. I hope you're writing some of this down. So thinking about uh, our frailty and thinking about the Spirit's empowerment, uh, I don't know about you, but in those frail moments, I can get hard on myself. Sometimes my emotions will overcome me and I start thinking negative thoughts. But I want you to notice how God thinks about you. It's found in Romans chapter 8 in verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. And if you want to be sort of uh, presently about it, nor nothing else in all of creation means not even COVID. Not even COVID can keep you away from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, I am speaking the truth in Christ to you. See, here's what, here's what Paul's reminding us, that our identity is not wrapped up in the emotions of the moment. Our identity is not wrapped up in the self-doubt, the worry, the anxiety. Our identity is not even wrapped up in this moment in, in our history. Our identity is defined by the only one who can define us, that is God. And he says this, you are more than a conqueror. Now, like me, maybe like me and you, you don't always feel it, but that's okay. Because the Spirit will empower you. Hang tight, as my dad did. Hunker down. Hunker down in the storm. One last uh, thought here. So we've got optimistic reality as Christians. As a reminder that we're frail. As a reminder that in our frailty that God empowers us. And that God is present with us. And God is presently praying for us. It's a reminder that our identity is not in our frailty. But God proclaims a new identity over us. Sons, daughters, yes and amen. But we're also more than conquerors. And no matter how things may get, the love of God will always be with us. I want to close with one last thought here. Paul is going to move in Romans chapter 9. And he's going to go in this, this thing. says in verse 6, But it's not as though the word of God has failed. Don't you love that? It's not as though the word of God has failed. And he goes on to talk about the faith that is for the Gentiles. And he's going to describe how the religious actions or the religious form of the Israelites fell short of God's righteousness. But the, but the Gentiles have received the righteousness. And he's going to describe to the, to the reader there how that could happen. How could those guys doing all the right things, the, the law and living it out, how could they be far from God? And these Gentiles, these pagans, these heathens, how could they be made right in God's eyes? And Paul's going to tell them very clearly. He's going to say in verse 30, it's going to say this. What shall we then say? The Gentiles who do not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is righteousness. That is by faith. You see, what's important is not the form. What's important is the faith. You know, I, I have this, um, this thing about me. I love convictions. And I like to inspire people to have certain convictions. Let me, let me share one conviction with you. 
I have a conviction that God cares more about your faith than the form. I'm bringing that up because there's a little bit of uncertainty. Our, our form as a church is changing. Here we are, and it got lights on. I'm in the church. We've got to create a little studio out of this place, and it's just different. We're not going to be able to meet in small groups for a little while. I'm not going to be able to meet with you one-to-one for a little while. No, no lunches on Dale for a little moment. And that's okay because here's the deal. This is not about the form. Faith is about faith. Religious, religious form isn't, isn't the end-all, be-all. It's more about our faith. You see, in theology, I studied this. We call this contextualization. Contextualization has been going on since the beginning of time in regards to God's people and faith. We see, uh, and there's a book called the Didache. It's, it means teachings. You see, there was an era right after Jesus in the first 100 years that the, the, the apostles began to give teachings to those who were followers of them, and they wrote them down. And so there's this one section that I'm reminded of when I think about faith and form and function. As I remember in the Didache, it talks about baptism. Here's the thing about baptism in the Didache. It says, you know, you've got to baptize people because remember, Jesus says, go to all the world and it says, baptize them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the Didache sort of builds on that and says this, that when you baptize, baptize in living water. Now, living water, the decay, was a reference meaning moving water, a river. Just as Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, the apostles, the teachers expected that they would, they would baptize new believers into living water, rushing water, moving water. And that was probably out of uh, some sort of knowingness of potential bacteria or, or, or whatever was going on that would cause illness. Moving water in that era was known to be safe and clean. But see, here's the thing is not everyone had access to living water or moving water. So the disciples or the teachers in this case, in the Didache, they gave some other possibilities. If there's not moving water, then, then use warm water. And if there's not warm water, use really cool water. And if you don't have moving water, you don't have warm water, you don't have cool water, then you can, you can sprinkle. You see, they, they made exceptions because it wasn't, baptism wasn't about the kind of water. Baptism was about a faithful action demonstrating their belief in Jesus. And so for us as a church, as believers in this, this era in history, well, let's don't get so caught up in the mediums of how we practice our faith. Let's don't get so caught up in the forms of how we practice our faith. Let's stay faithful in how we live out our convictions. I'm reminded of Jesus in Mark chapter 3, verse 10. Let me pull it up for you here. Listen, remember the story? It says, again, this is actually verse 1. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, you could picture Jesus asking the guy to come over as everybody's watching. And he says to the people who are watching, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save or to kill? And of course, they didn't know how to answer it, but they were silent. And he looked around at them and was with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And so the guy stretches his hand out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him and how to destroy him, being Jesus. I love this passage. This is Jesus contextualizing the law in the moment. Here he sees someone suffering, someone hurting, and he doesn't follow the law as it were. He doesn't follow what's right in sort of man's eyes. And in this case, religious leaders' eyes. What he does is a bold religious action of 
faith. As he contextualizes the form and he utilizes his faith that this guy might be made whole. And this next season, as we lead our families, as you lead your own life, as you lead uh, as civic leaders or as church leaders, let's remember this, that we might have a lot of religious rules and laws of what is righteous. But I implore you, by the spirit empowerment, that you live a faithful life. We might shift our form at times that we might live truly and faithfully to the gospel, that God might deem our actions as righteous. So real quickly, this is what we're saying today. We're saying that as Christians, we have an optimistic realism. We look forward to the coming hope and the deliverance that is for all of us, being keenly aware that we, we might suffer, and maybe even unto death. And though we don't, we don't want that, we don't long for that, we will live as more than conquerors in that. Because our hope is not in the temporal, our hope is in the eternal. Our hope is in this very real present moment of God's love. And as a frail humans, we recognize that in our greatest hardness of moments, we recognize where is God? And we, as we learn from Romans that God is with us. He is present. And not only is He present just around, sort of floating around, but He's presently interceding, presently praying for you and me to the end that be God's will. Lastly, we recognize that it's not about form or function. It's about faith. Let us live righteous lives with deep convictions of our faith. May God find us holy in His sight because He's identified us as more than conquerors. Not because we live within rigid rules of religious structures, like go to church every Sunday or like, you know, this or that, but that we live faithfully to the call of Christ. And part of that call, by the way, is to bring others in knowledge of Him. And Paul even talks about it real quick. I, let me just add this on, Dustin, forgive me. In verse 9, he says, For I, I, I said, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that myself were a curse and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen. You see, Paul is saying <laughs> he'd rather die and burn in hell than to see his kinsmen, his brothers, his family, his sisters die and not know Jesus. May we take this moment, church, as we live out our faithful convictions and we bring people with us. We bring people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is a great time to be people of prayer, the people uh, who, who present the gospel to others in a way that might bring life. In closing, we sometimes will close our eyes and bow our heads. And sometimes if we were here in the church today, I'd I'd ask you to make a profession of faith or come forward or do some sort of physical action to make it real. We don't have that. So I want to invite you to do that, something at home. Maybe you could take a few moments and pray. <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe you could take a few moments and journal. Maybe you turn to your husband or wife or your roommate and say this. Say, you know what? I've decided today I'm going to be a person of faith. I'm going to live with convictions. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take the next steps in my, in my journey with Christ. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I do want to encourage you to make some sort of faithful profession. Whether you know Jesus all of your life, or this is the first time you've ever heard about him or thought about him, make some sort of profession in your home today. We'd love to see that online. If you want to share that with me in an email, you can find me at dalestevens at gmail.com, or you can look us up online some kind of a way. But I'd love to engage you in other uh, avenues as well. Don't forget our church and our efforts in the low-income neighborhoods 
And all the things that we do as a church body requires your faithfulness in giving. So we have an online giving button attached. I cannot wait to see you again in person. God bless. See you soon.